ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. With Paul Swan. We're coming to you today from the Union Pub and Grill. It's our Monday edition of The Drive. Welcome in. I'm your host, Paul Swan, and I remind you every Monday that you got to be here at the Union Pub and Grill because every Monday it's $1.50 bottles, $2 call shots all day, all night. So that is the reason why you come down to the Union Pub and Grill on Mondays to take advantage of the great service and great specials. Now, we come to you today from the union with sort of a heavy heart here because um, we found out the news earlier today that the Hal Greer passed away. And so Sonny Allen is going to join us a little bit later on, teammate of his on a uh, team that was loaded with a lot of greats from martial lore. But Sonny's going to join us in a few minutes. We're going to talk about that. But it, it was really sad to hear the news today that, that Hal Greer passed away. And for some of you, you maybe just drive down Hal Greer Boulevard and really not understanding the significance of what Hal Greer meant to not just Marshall, but to basketball in the state of West Virginia also. He had a great NBA career, named to the NBA All-50. That was um, a great honor in itself there. But Hal Greer passing away Saturday, age 81. Um, He had a a brief illness, and the Philadelphia 76ers uh, came out with a release today. And uh, here's a guy who is all Mr. Philadelphia. I mean, he's a legend there in Philadelphia. He's got a statue. This is a guy with an NBA Hall of Fame career, Huntington native. He was the first African-American to receive a scholarship at Marshall, averaged almost 20 points per game in three seasons. He was uh, a all-conference pick in the Mid-American Conference as well. 13th overall pick in the 1958 NBA draft. He was taken by the Syracuse Nationals. They became then the 76ers. All-star 10 times, won an NBA title in 67. And that was a great career. That's a great NBA career there. And he's someone that opened a lot of doors, I think, for future generations to play basketball. He definitely opened the door up at Marshall University. He was just an amazing basketball player, and he was able to cross that racial barrier and then show the way for a lot of other youngsters. And I thought it was very good of Marshall in those times as well to to be able to make that transition. And it benefited both the university, it benefited Hal Greer. And as you drive down Hal Greer Boulevard, maybe you'll um, pause for a second to understand really his significance. Um, He's had his jersey retired. That's how big of a deal he was. I mean, I don't know too many people who had their jersey retired both in college and in the pros, but his number 16 jersey and his number 15 jersey for the Thundering Herd and the Sixers retired. He is the first Sixers player to both have his number retired and to be honored with a sculpture of 76 Legends walk at the team training complex. So I don't know what else you can do for him at Marshall. You, you've named a road after him. You've got his number retired He's a significant part of Marshall basketball, so he definitely deserves all the accolades that he earned over his years. And it, I didn't get to see him play firsthand, but just you know, looking at footage, man, he was he was something to behold. So we're going to talk to Sonny Allen, who was there firsthand, can tell us more about how, and we'll hear from him here in a few minutes. And then later on, we're going to talk some NHL hockey. I've got Matt Geica joining us from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. The Pens and the Flyers. Uh, I knew that would be an intense series, and 
it's lived up to that so far. I think Matt even threw some shots out today that Philadelphia was actually lucky to even still be in this. We will find out more about if the Penguins are able to finish off the Flyers or will there be a comeback in store for the Philadelphia Flyers? We'll find out. Matt's going to join us later on in the program. Now, I do want to remind you once again, we're here at the Union Pub and Grill. Every Monday, we invite you to come down with us as well. $1.50 bottles. We've got $2 call shots all day, all night. 1125 4th Avenue in Huntington is where we're at here. It's the Union Pub and Grill. I'll tell you what, we'll take our first break now so we can uh, join Sonny Allen in a few minutes, and we'll talk to him about the life and times of Hal Greer Boulevard, his very own Hal Greer. I mean, you go down that road and you just think, what an amazing basketball player he was so many years ago. What an important player. So we'll talk about the life and times of Hal Greer when we continue here on tonight's edition of The Drive, coming to you live from the Union Pub and Grill on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're coming to you today from the Union Pub and Grill, 1125 4th Avenue in Huntington. Today's the day where it's always a $1.50 bottle, $2 call shot. Come on down. Join us today at the Union Pub and Grill. Great place if you ever want to come in and look at a lot of Marshall memorabilia. Herbie's got something from every place of Marshall history. And if you walk through here, you might see a Hal Greer photo or two. And I'm going to look around later on and see if I can find one. Also, I'm sure we can probably uncover a Sonny Allen photo or two here in Herb's collection. And that's who we welcome to the program now, one of the all-time greats at Marshall University now joining us on the program. And Sonny... Thanks for joining me this afternoon. I wish we could get you back on a more happy time, but uh, today with the passing of Hal Greer made public, uh, passing away on Saturday, uh, really a shock to everyone's system. Yeah, he, he, he was an all-time great, a great person and a great player. And uh, I'm sorry to hear about uh, his death. Sonny, how important was Hal Greer, not just to college basketball, but to Marshall University. With him being um, afforded the opportunity to play at Marshall, it really opened the doors for uh, a lot of players to, to come. And at the same time, um, he really put Marshall on the map in some regards, especially with a great pro career. Uh, yes, he did. He, he was, say, the first black athlete because he was a local kid. He only lived about eight or nine blocks from, from Marshall. Uh, so uh, that, that was convenient. And then he went on into the pros and just unbelievable career. Uh, when he retired, he was the third all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Now he's dropped down since then. Players play longer longer careers now. But uh, he, he was a great winner. He played on that 76er team that won the NBA championship and that's considered one of the best teams ever. So uh, he had an outstanding career. Now, Sonny, when, when you played with him and when you were here at Marshall, could you tell us, uh, just for some of us who maybe 
I've only heard the stories. What were those days like, not only having him on the team, but just the way that team was with such great talent? Well, you know, we had some great players. Charlie Slack was on that team. and You know, he still holds some in, in CAA records for rebounding. And then Howe's senior year, we led the nation in scoring, averaged 88 points a game. And that was before the bonus free throw and the three-point shot and the, and the clock. Howe averaged about 24, but Leo Bird averaged about 26. So we led the nation in scoring, first in free throw percentage and second in field goal percentage. So Howe was a, a major part of that. We got a lot of national recognition out of it. But what was it like playing with him, just being on the court with him? Um, such a an amazing time, I'm sure, to, to play basketball, the, the way that Marshall just had so much talent there at the same time with everything opening finally up so a person like Hal Greer could actually get an education at Marshall, play collegiate basketball, and then go out and live his dream. Yeah, you know, at the time, we didn't think it was that big a deal. We were just happy to be playing college basketball, and uh, we didn't look at it as anything special. And now you look back and you realize uh, how important it was. And, and Marshall's fast-break style of play got national attention, and it still does. And then Greer being the first black athlete at Marshall, you know, opened the doors there. And so looking back at some great memories. So it wasn't that big of a deal at the time, in the moment, but in reflection, what do you think it felt or meant to Hal to know that that this moment in time holds such significance, not just for Marshall, but for college basketball as well? As, yeah, this was a new era of, of finally opening up college basketball, opening up and allowing athletes of color to actually participate. Yeah, you know, it, it's people just don't realize uh, the progress that's been made and how important it was at the time. And how uh, was a, a perfect example of a, a, a good student, a good person, and a great athlete. So he set uh, the standard and the bar pretty high for future uh, black athletes. And uh, he just... Uh, you know, put Marshall on the map, and they're still there because they went to the NCAA this year, and I'm sure Hal was, was proud of him for that. Sonny Al, it's our guest, one of the all-time greats here at Marshall University. And, Sonny, during those days when you were playing with Hal, I know there were probably some problems or at least um, – not everyone was on board with this right away. If if you could, could you talk about what those times were like as this transition was beginning? I, I know, again, it, it was, you know, you were just happy to have a great player on your team, but for some, maybe not as accepting right away. You know, th at the time, we didn't think anything about it. You know, Howard just a, another team member, and we, we treated him uh, – just like everybody else, it wasn't that big a deal at the time. But you, you look back and you realize that what a, a person he was and opened the doors for a lot of other people. And when I took the head job at Old Dominion in 1965, I recruited Button Speaks from Huntington, 
and he was the first black athlete recruited by a predominantly white school in the state of Virginia. So uh, Button helped open the doors in the when I was at Old Dominion and Greer was, you know, he was already at Marshall. In fact, Speaks lived about two blocks from Greer over on 8th Avenue and 16th Street. Sonny Allen's our guest, and you've seen it all. You've played, you've coached, you've uh, you've been up and down college basketball for a long time. And and it's it's sad to, to, to think that maybe – it takes a moment like this to remind people what Hal Greer was all about because I know a lot of people drive down Hal Greer Boulevard, and I'm sure that's uh, something they just don't think about. Okay, this, this is Hal Greer Boulevard. They don't know why it's Hal Greer yeah. Boulevard. Um, what do you think maybe gets overlooked as far as Hal's career, just Hal himself as a person? Well, like you say, uh, people – Young people today have no idea who he was and, and uh, how great a player he was. That's why it's great uh, to be able to relive the memories. And uh, radio shows like yourself can do that in the news media, but it's uh, hard to, it's easy to get shoved in the background in events like Greer being the first black athlete at Marshall to, to be overlooked. You know, people forget about that. They just assume that everybody can do it. But uh, when you're the first to do something, it really means a lot. And uh, it sets the standard for things that, that follow you, and that's a that's a tough standard to meet sometimes. Sonny Allen is our guest, one of the all-time greats here at Marshall University. We are talking about the passing of Hal Greer, hurrying Hal, and what do you think needs to happen now for us to remember from years gone by to years still to come? What do you think needs to be done as far as us to try to preserve this history of yourself, a Hal Greer, all those that came before? You know, do you think enough is being done, or does there need to be more done? Well, you know, there can always be more. But then, uh, you know, the the athletes of today, they need a chance to create their own uh, history. But uh, I think it's it's great to bring up the past, and, uh, and the only people that can do it is really the news media. And, uh, you know, uh, you had a special show uh, or a program uh, once a month or something to talk about an athlete from the past. And open up the lines for people to call in. Uh, that's about the only way you can do it because the world moves so fast that uh, yesterday is a long time gone. Sonny Allen is our guest, uh, one of the all-time greats at Marshall, and uh, a lot of people remember you as well. And um, that was uh, those were fun times for Marshall basketball. So just to ask you yourself, how did it feel to see Marshall get? A tournament after such a long drought and trying to get back there to get back and finally win. I'm sure that made your heart really uh, fill when you saw that. It was a long time coming, I think, what, 20 some years or more than that. They went to the NIT uh, a couple years, but uh, 
Marshall had a great, uh, great reputation in college basketball in the 40s, 50s, and into the 60s, and then there was a drop-off. But uh, going to the NCAA this year, and then with uh, Mike D'Antoni, the success he's having, Marshall's getting some national publicity again, which, uh, which is great. Sonny Allen's our guest. We are talking about Hal Greer, who passed away on Saturday. And Sonny, before we uh, say goodbye, at least for today, what would you like to um, say or express, or what would you like people to remember most about Hal and you know his time at Marshall or your time with him? What would you like people just to know and take away from today? Well, like I say, he set standard. He set the bar pretty high, and uh, so people will always – Remember that, and uh, you know he's one of the top fifty all-time players uh, ever, and, and that in itself uh, is a great achievement. But uh, he he brought a lot of national publicity to this city of Huntington and Marshall and the state of West Virginia, and I think that's always important or satisfying when you look back and remember for doing something that. Uh, positive and people can remember and uh, the more they can do it around Huntington to mention his name and uh, you know he's got a, a Santa Boulevard named after him that's that's important and it sets the, sets the bar high and people should appreciate it Sonny uh, it's, it's great catching up with you hope we can do it again soon and, and thanks for spending a few minutes with us so we could remember and reminisce a little bit about how Greer and uh, what he meant to you and of course this community as uh, we honor his passing today. Thank you sir. Do appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. That is Sonny Allen, one of the grades here at Marshall University. Uh, went on, had a great coaching career and uh, just ask uh, what he meant as far as uh, Old Dominion's concerned. Uh, he definitely meant a lot to that program. Meant a lot to Marshall as well and it was um, great to have him today and just sad that we have to do it on a day like this, just remembering Hal Greer and wish we could um, have those guys back together again. And uh, It was fun a few years ago uh, when everyone was saying goodbye to the Veterans Memorial Fieldhouse to have those guys in town and together for that one last moment at the Fieldhouse. We're going to take our next break, come back. Uh, we're going to turn our attention to hockey. Matt Geica is going to join us when we come back from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. We'll get you caught up on what happened with the Stanley Cup this weekend. And uh, Matt said today that uh, Philadelphia is lucky to be in this thing. We'll get his opinion on that. I think we already know. But we'll just get him to reconfirm it when we continue with today's edition of The Drive with Paul Swan here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry, Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Welcome back. This is The Drive. We're coming to you today from the Union Pub and Grill, 1125 4th Avenue in Huntington, where today it's $1.50 bottle, $2 call shots. We got Sabrina. She's hanging out today, taking good care of everyone. All you have to do is come down to the Union Pub and Grill to take advantage of all of the Monday specials. Well, if you like hockey, this is probably the place to be as well because we're going to have all the big screens on all the games that matter. A lot of action to talk about tonight, but 
thankfully the pens are off tonight. That means we get to talk to Matt Geica, who joins us from Pittsburgh Hockey now. He's on the program. And let's just go ahead and say it now, Matt. Um, I've been reading your tweets. You link your stories there. And you're you're not holding back when it comes to the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, you don't even think they uh, – you think they're lucky to be here. Let me just say that, and we'll begin there. Well, thanks for having me on, Paul. And, yeah, I'm all yours. No – no Penguins games to take me away throughout the the rest of the evening here, but I guess I'll I'll disagree with your characterization just a little bit. They are okay. not lucky. They're not lucky to be in the playoffs. They deserve to make the playoffs, and I think they're a, a promising team in in years in the future. But in this series, I don't think they've deserved to win one of the three games. Game two, you may say, "Oh, Matt, it was five to one." Of course, they deserve to win that. Well, they got a couple of nice bounces in the early going. The Penguins hit three posts. Uh, Sidney Crosby missed a wide-open net late in the second. Could have made it a 2-1 game. And, well, if you watch hockey, if you watch soccer, um, if you watch football, really, you know that uh, teams that trail tend to open it up a little bit and take some more risks. And that's what we Matt Geica is our guest from it's Pittsburgh it's Hockey Now. Flyers are in, are in games one and three. But overall, they've had, had, in my view, just one bad period in these, in these out of nine. And that was yesterday's answer. And they got some excellent goaltending from Matt to Matt. And then Sidney Crosby does what he usually does, is, is uh, disappoint Flyers fans as well as partner and partner and uh, make them quiet down a little bit. A, little bit, a beautiful breakaway, or pardon me, a wraparound, around, I should say, 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 uh, that allowed the Penguins to get their equilibrium and they didn't look back yesterday. So if I'm a Penguins fan, if I am a member of the Penguins, I feel really good about what, uh, what I've seen in the first three games so far. Matt Geica, our guest, Pittsburgh Hockey now. So do you think that the, they can carry this momentum on and finish out this series? Is there any fight left in the Philadelphia Flyers? Because barring that one game, uh, I really haven't seen anything that's made me think that here's a team that can make a run or even mount a comeback. No, and to be clear, I picked the, the Penguins to win in six because I thought it might take them a game or two to get up to their playoff gear, but they've had it from the drop of the puck, and that's what I wrote about today in my column on Pittsburgh Hockey now, is that their game has been there, and if I knew they were going to look like this, I would have said Penguins in four or five. Now, uh, I always get a little bit nervous about picking a, a sweep because you don't know what's going to happen, but you look up and down these two teams' lineups, and yes, the Flyers are quick. They have some uh, good young defenders who may develop into uh, real studs at the NHL level, excuse me. But they don't have the goaltending right now. They have some prospects down on the farm, but nothing right there at the moment. And they're not a one-line team, but um, they have three or four guys who can hurt you up front, whereas the Penguins have six, seven, eight, or even nine if things are going really well for them. So it's a matter of depth. And, well, that's why you play series, right, as opposed to a one-off game to decide things. It in theory, gives the better team the chance to assert itself, and it makes things more fair. And I think over a, over a fair best of seven, you're going to see the Penguins win maybe uh, you know 90% of those best of seven series if you match these two teams up uh, over a course of 100 times. And um, I know there were a lot of uh, national pundits who were trying to play up the Flyers' chances after game two, but I just really didn't see it. I didn't see it enough from them in game two to make me think that they're going to carry it over. 
how Sidney Crosby handling this so far? He seems like he's um, he's got his game face on for the entirety, uh, not just game day, but just he. I think he's in that mode now where he's just locked in. Yeah, because he's even talking about the prank that the uh, the Flyers fans did with the urinal. He wasn't even impressed with that. <laughs> well, he's seen that before, not just in Philadelphia, but other places. He's used to playing the villain. He's the best player. He's hockey's LeBron James, and he has been for as long as LeBron's been at it in the NBA. So uh, those two guys have taken their share of crap over the years, and really for nothing more than just being really good at what they do. So that's sports for you, I suppose, and you're going to have that. But Philadelphia has always been a really vitriolic place for Crosby and the Penguins. And, well, Sid buried the overtime winner in his first game ever at Philadelphia way back in 2005. So he's been setting up uh, Flyers fans and the Flyers themselves for disappointment, whether it be in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, for the most part. Now, of course, the Flyers won that wacko first-round series in 2012, and the Penguins were maybe at their worst there and getting out of their game and undisciplined, but they've changed. They've, uh, they've matured with some help from their coach, Mike Sullivan, and, and things are different now. And to your point about Crosby as an individual, three goals in the opener, four points yesterday, he could really um, be in a position to uh, put up his best playoff series ever in terms of points. The Flyers aren't going to impress you defensively and their goaltending, whether it be Brian Elliott or maybe they go to Peter Mrazek, the backup in game four. But it's almost a perfect storm here for Crosby because the, the power play is also clicking and the Flyers are going to take some penalties too. So I would expect more of the same from Sid in games four and five, and we'll see if it goes to six. Do you think this is the best series for Pittsburgh? They seem to be totally bought into this. Of course, you're playing the Flyers, so you don't need to sell it to the players. But was this maybe the best first round for them just to make sure they were going to be locked in and ready to go? It might be. I think if they would have played the Capitals or the Blue Jackets, so you would have seen the same thing. There's been some hate built up between those teams, and it's more of a one-sided thing from uh, the Blue Jackets because they haven't really beaten the Penguins when it counts. And actually, the Capitals haven't either, so you could look at it both ways there. But I think what, what you say has some elements of truth to it. Certainly, the Flyers have enough to scare you, and there's always going to be that rivalry aspect with Philadelphia. So maybe that did help the Penguins get it revved up right away um, off the bat. Last year against the Blue Jackets, they had a bad habit in the first round of playing some sketchy first periods and relying on Marc-Andre Fleury to bail them out, and, and Fleury did in that series. This year, though, it's been a different story, and I think it also speaks to how ready they were for the playoffs to start. It was a long regular season. They had that push in January and February to get back into the playoff hunt and into the picture. But for the most part, the last six weeks, it was uh, just biding their time until the postseason began. So they were eager to go, and it's been impressive to watch them click it into gear. You always talk about can a team flip a switch when they are a veteran team like that. The Penguins are veteran enough to be – to be savvy enough in order to uh, to pull that off, but also they're still young enough and still have enough guys in their prime to where that can uh, can still be effective and and uh, they can just simply uh, control a game if they're playing at their best. Matt Geica is our guest from Pittsburgh Hockey now. The Penguins are up two games of one and their best of seven series. They'll play again 
on Wednesday. So you've got some time off. The team's got a couple of days before the next play. So that means you get to probably watch a little bit more of the other side of this. What have you seen so far from the playoffs that you like or you're surprised by? Well, I really love what I've seen from the Vegas Golden Knights. I thought they'd have a tough time against L.A. because L.A. has had a tradition for almost a decade now being a staunch defensive unit. They have a great goalie in Jonathan Quick who, when he's on his game, can steal maybe an entire series, let alone a game. But the Knights have been so relentless, and I was really curious to see how their style and just how their demeanor would carry over into the postseason with all they accomplished in the regular season, you could excuse them for saying, yep, that was great, and uh, everything from here on out is just icing on top of the cake. But they haven't played like that at all. They were borderline dominant in their two games in Vegas, which they won, and they won the second one in double overtime. So uh, they've had a difficult time finishing, but uh, they poured on three in the third period at L.A. the other night in game three, and it looks like that one's over, and an expansion team's going to win a, a playoff series. Uh, wow, for the team that was <laughs> considered to be uh, fortunate to break 70 points in the regular season, that's something for me on the Western Conference side. And on the Eastern Conference side, it's probably uh, the Bruins' dominance over the Leafs that has surprised me the most. I thought the Leafs would be ready to go, and we'll see how they do tonight up in Toronto. But I'm disappointed. I wanted to see this young bunch um, really show what they could do. And they had their first playoff run last year. It was short, but they were impressive against the Capitals. But uh, so far, so bad for the Leafs. And then speaking of the Caps against the Jackets, I liked Columbus to win that series, but I figured it'd be close. It has been. And uh, with the Capitals blowing multi-goal leads in both of those first two games, I don't know how much more that fan base in Washington can endure. It's uh, It's been a rough go for them in the playoffs. And uh, it would be saying something to say that this would be their worst defeat ever, but to blow the two games at home like they did, Against a team in the Blue Jackets that's good but not great, that's got to be really devastating, too. Matt Geica is our guest from Pittsburgh Hockey now, and I'm going to echo your sentiments about the Golden Knights. They've been fun to watch. Do you feel that a team like the Golden Knights have maybe attracted that casual fan or a lot of people are picking up on the fact that, hey, here's an expansion team. This is their first playoff series ever. I mean, it seems like they're really good for the game of hockey right now. I agree 100%, and I actually have a lot of relatives who live out in Las Vegas, and they're, they're Pittsburgh expats, so they always uh, you know, kept their Pittsburgh allegiances. Once the Vegas Golden Knights showed up, then, well, yeah, they bought in, and it was easy with Marc-Andre Fleury being there, a couple of other former Penguins, and James Neal and David Braun and Derek Englund. Uh, but they finally have a team of their own, and Las Vegas traditionally got really good ratings. They drew really good TV ratings of the non-NHL markets. They were always right up there at the top on those lists when it came to playoff time. So hockey fans were there. Now, they might have been fans of other teams first, but to get into that market first, if you are the NHL, I believe is a big win for the sport and for the league. And I know the Oakland Raiders are going to be showing up there in a couple of years' time. But football teams only play eight home games a year. You throw in two more preseason games at 10, maybe one playoff game at 11. Uh, the Knights are going to be there 41 nights a, a year, uh, pardon the pun, and they're going to have some uh, postseason, it looks like, with the way that uh, they put this team together. I expect them to be right in the mix again next season, too. So if you are a fan of the game, if you like to see it expanded, if you like to see new people get involved with the sport, then I don't think there's any downside to seeing – 
what Vegas has been able to do. Now, when Seattle comes in in a couple of years, which it looks like they are, maybe the expansion draft rules are tinkered or maybe GMs learn not to give up so much in these uh, expansion draft trades uh, because you intentionally or unintentionally rather uh, fueled um, a team's quick rise to where they are right now. And I have a hard time thinking that they'll lose in the second round either. Now, I, I think Winnipeg and, and Nashville are better than Vegas, but they'll have a puncher's chance in those series if they get that far too. And it, it's a great selling point for uh, for the sport in Las Vegas and also for, for new fans who are just picking it up. And the curiosity factor, a pro team in Las Vegas, it's been, what, 70, 80 years in the making. And what a debut for this team. Yeah, I'm definitely on board. They're not my first team, but I'm definitely on board with them as well. And I'm kind of excited for Seattle. Um, I've seen hockey in Seattle. Uh, it was minor league hockey, but still, uh, I think they've got mm-hmm. a market for it. Well, it makes too much sense almost to go to Seattle. Seattle's had junior hockey. They've had minor league hockey, as you allude to up there. And they have a ready-made rival in Vancouver just across the border. It's worked so well in Major League Soccer with the Seattle Sounders being the phenomenon they are and the Vancouver Whitecaps coming in. Then you throw in the the Portland team, uh, Portland Timbers in, in MLS, and it's a nice trio. But uh, to have that ready-made rival, number one, will help. Seattle is just an excellent sports town, too. You see how devoted they are to their teams. They've hung in there with the Mariners uh, through mostly thin times in, in recent years, and it just gutted them to lose the Sonics. So uh, basketball might even return to Seattle as well. But as of right now, it looks like the NHL has the, um, has the inside track to get back there. You see how the Seahawks are supported. I mentioned the Sounders, too. Um, and it's, it's not like, you know, with Las Vegas, you had the thought of, well, who's going to want to go to Vegas and go sit in an ice rink when there's so much to do? Well, Seattle, most times out of the year, the weather's pretty questionable. So you're looking for something to do, and I think it's a natural fit uh, in that way. So um, the quicker the NHL can get in there, the better, and uh, take advantage of that winter sports season, which has been abandoned ever since the Sonics went to OKC about a decade ago. Matt Geica is our guest from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Before we let Matt go, give you an opportunity, Matt, to um, tell us more about Pittsburgh Hockey Now, which is the hottest hockey website on the Internet right now. <laughs> there are no other, nobody else has come close. You are the man. Oh, well, uh, I don't even know what I could say beyond that, but uh, I will say that we have uh, a two-tiered program over at PittsburghHockeyNow.com. Easy website to remember as well, I find. But if you go there, you'll see that we have uh, much of our content is free, but also some of the locker room insights, some of our analysis, uh, deeper analysis on the numbers, and my co-owner, Dan Kingerski, he loves to dig, in, dig into the X's and O's and, um, and really give you the breakdowns on why things happen during games. A lot of that is going to be under our PHN Extra um, sub-platform, if you want to call it that. So for 3 bucks a month, you can access all of that and also get early access to some of our stories, like I was mentioning, the, uh, the stats pieces that I put together, and uh, just some of the things you won't find anywhere else. So we're taking some different angles, uh, talking about some things that uh, other folks in the media usually don't. So it's, um, you know, it, it's a two-pronged endeavor there. We, we try to pull you in with the, the free content, and uh, like I said, I have a column up there today talking about my take on the Penn Flyers series. And in addition to that, we hope that you like the uh, the premium stuff, give you a sample of that every once in a while for free. And um, via Patreon, our good friends at Patreon, they've made the monthly subscription available. And uh, there are even a couple of tiers there. 
that you can check out. So thanks, Paul, for the time and for the opportunity to promote the, the website. It's been a lot of fun putting it together. Matt Geica, our guest from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. Matt, good talking to you. We'll do it again here in a few days, I hope. Always, my friend. Enjoy it. Bye-bye. That's Matt Geica from Pittsburgh Hockey Now. We're going to take our next break and come back here to the Union Pub and Grill. I'm Paul Swan. This is The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Coming to you today from the Union Pub and Grill, where every Monday it's $1.50 bottles, $2 call shots. They do it all day, all night. You can walk in at any time. Want to look for some sports action on the TV tonight? Well, they got you covered here as well. It's Monday. It's basketball season now in the postseason. It's hockey season in the postseason. It's the Union Pub and Grill, 1125 4th Avenue in Huntington. A light week at Marshall Athletics. We've got a couple of events coming up. Of course, the Thundering Hurts taking on the Bobcats on Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday, you've got women's tennis taking on Florida Atlantic in the Conference USA tournament first round. Hopefully that will be the first of a mini little run, hopefully, that the, the tennis team can put together. They've had a rough go of it. Also, softball is taking on James Madison coming up this week for the Thundering Herd. Uh, baseball's got Louisiana Tech on Friday. Um, track and field is going to be uh, at the Virginia Challenge coming up as well on Friday. And then you got softball at Western Kentucky on Saturday. Baseball taking on Louisiana Tech. Same thing on Sunday as well. So uh, it's light, but still there are some things for you to do this week if you're uh, following the Thundering Herd. And, of course, uh, if you want to uh, find out more about the schedule, we remind you to check out HerdZone.com for all the latest on the Thundering Herd. Um, about ready to wrap this one up today. Um, sort of a bittersweet show. Finding out earlier, is, uh, if you didn't hear the news, that Hal Greer passing away. Uh, he passed away on Saturday, and... It just uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic that you know what was such a big deal. It's really not a big deal now, and maybe that's the uh, the victory in itself because Hal was well one. He was a heck of a basketball player, not only at the collegiate level but in the NBA. I mean, he's a champion in the NBA. He at the time uh, one of the all-time greats when it comes to scoring and relatively speaking in the length of time he played compared to the length of time players play now yeah he's still probably on top what if he went longer his numbers would be up there even uh higher and he was named nba 50 one of the 50 greatest all time now hopefully and they redo that list years from now and add new players um, he's still there but i think how greer's life uh tomorrow will be still relevant uh, and 20 years from now, what he was able to accomplish will still be relevant 50 years from now, as he definitely left a mark that uh, bettered everyone here at Marshall. And, of course, college basketball was better for him, and he had a tremendous career in the NBA. They love him in Philadelphia, as they should. That's going to do it for this edition of The Drive here at the Union Pub and Grill. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Back in studio tomorrow. Looking forward to it. We thank everyone here at the Union Pub and Grill for taking good care of us. Also, back in the studio, the dynamic duo of Luke Creasy and Gabriel Sellards. 
I think we'll go with that nickname today. We usually call them the Pit Crew, but uh, they could be the dynamic duo today. That's going to do it for this Monday edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Good night, everyone. Station.